Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, J.J. Hello, Don. J.J., today we're going to talk about the difference between branding and marketing, specifically in the social media space. Yeah. A lot of people have a lot of questions about They do. This. Yeah, it's interesting. We get a lot of questions about it. And there's a fine line. I'd like to hear from you, because I have my theories. What's the difference between branding and marketing? I would say the most simple way that I've explained the difference between branding and marketing is marketing explains what you do, how it makes people's life better, and how to get it. It's basically messaging. It's like super and, clear. Yeah, real clear. And branding is how you make people feel. I'd explain it the exact same way. Yeah. So that's why like with Coca-Cola, when you have a Coca-Cola advertisement, a lot of small businesses want to start out and be like, oh man, that Coke ad or that Pepsi ad or those Nike ads are amazing. We want something like that. Well, their brand is so well known that they don't have to say, we are a drink that comes with sugar and caffeine that tastes wonderful <laughs> that can make you feel refreshing. You know, right. They don't need to do that. They need to live in the branding space so they can go really big. I think a lot of small businesses make the mistake of trying to jump to branding without doing marketing first. They think branding is marketing and marketing yeah. is branding. And, and the reality is, now we're going to counter this in the, in the interview that I do today, but the reality is branding is extremely expensive. Yeah. Our COO has got me occasionally watching golf on Sunday afternoon because he's <laughs> tried to explain it. And I'm like, okay, no, you know, there's some story. That, but anyway, talk about branding, right? It's all these yeah. brands that just make you kind of feel a certain way. And I always think to myself, what are you selling? Are you selling stock like AIG or whatever? What, I don't understand what you're selling. But it's branding. They're making you feel a certain way. And, and probably it is actually trying to increase stock price. Yeah. But most companies who actually try to do branding fail. Mm -hmm. And they fail because nobody can answer the basic questions. What do you offer? What problem do you solve? How is it going to make my life better? How much does it cost? Until you basically answer those questions, branding is for the birds. I mean, it's not going to yep. get you any money. However, now there's these incredible opportunities because with social media, with Instagram, with Facebook, small companies can actually do a bit of branding. Yeah, without being really expensive. Yeah, it's almost free, right? But the images that you share, all that kind of stuff, they make people feel a certain way. And there are good ways to do it. And our guest knows how to do it. His name is Brandon Harvey. He has a company called Good, Good, Good. He has a podcast called Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey and a newspaper that my wife subscribes to called Good Newspaper. Yes. He's a fantastic guy. Actually, I got lost for the first 15 minutes just exploring him as a human being because he's fascinating. And then we turn <laughs> and the corner. And he has amazing hair. <laughs> he does have amazing hair. You have to follow him on Instagram <laughs> to see his hair. But we turn the corner and we talk about his branding work with Southwest Airlines. Yeah. And then he goes into practical tips that you and I can explore to make our social media branding a little bit better. It's story brand advanced is where we're going yeah. with this. Story brand part two. Story brand. Almost. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, I don't want to wait anymore because I think it's a fascinating conversation. Another one that you're going to get a lot out of and practical tips, things that you will do differently right after you listen to this interview. Here's my conversation with Brandon Harvey. Brandon, thanks for coming on. I'm so honored to be here. Thanks you are, for having me. We are way overdue for a conversation. 
I'm really honored to be on the show because I've been listening for a long time since the beginning. I've been to StoryBrand. Well, this I've known is the problem when you know somebody. You keep forgetting that they should be on the podcast because millions of people actually know. <laughs> <laughs> and we should have had you on a long time ago. We're going to talk about Social Media 101 because you're an expert at that. And you've got 40,000 business leaders listening. We all need a better social media. I'm going to ask you for personal consulting at the end. <laughs> Review my Instagram and tell me everything I'm I'll doing do it, wrong. I'll do it. And watch as nothing changes over the next several years because <laughs> I'm so bad at it. But anyway, we're going to get there. How can we use social media to grow our business? But I'm actually more curious about you. You have a podcast called Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey. And my wife actually subscribes to your newspaper that we get. <laughs> Which sounds funny to kind of say, right? To say that yeah. there's a newspaper. Paper a newspaper and a podcast. Reading. Yeah. And, well, she reads it and she loves Good. it. I think she got 10 other people to subscribe. I don't know if you did uh, You did some sort of contest, but she's she calling everybody. I'm honored. But you have made this decision to share good news and to talk about good news. And I want to know, first of all, just to get to know you a little bit, why? Where did that come from? Yeah, that's a great question. My background is in the world of humanitarian photography. And okay. I've been really fortunate enough to get to travel around the world, work with amazing nonprofits and socially conscious brands, and help them tell stories of the amazing, impactful work they're doing. And as I've been traveling, I just kind of hit this point where I was like, I'm being so affected by these beautiful stories of people creating solutions to injustices. But I was looking around at my friends and realizing that they're not getting to see these same things. They're not seeing bright light in the world. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would come back home from a trip to, you know, Africa or East Asia and I'd turn on the news and I would feel overwhelmed and I would feel brokenhearted and I would almost say cynical. I would feel yeah. cynical. Yeah. And my question was, what can we do to create a solution to this? Yeah. And so that's when we just started just genuinely asking that question out loud. And so we started a podcast where I started having people on who I thought were somehow rejecting cynicism without completely shying away from the injustices in the world. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of us, when we see things that make us feel angry or sad, we just kind of pretend that they don't exist. Like that's a great coping mechanism. And that's something that I maybe did for years. Mm. Or, I mean, on the other hand, you dive way too deep and you become really cynical and right, angry right. and you post rants on Twitter. And I didn't want to be either of those. And so we started asking this question, how do you reject cynicism mm. while also yeah. staying tuned into what's happening in the world? So why is cynicism wrong? We've talked about this on the podcast before. You're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But I want to hear your perspective on why cynicism is so damaging. Well, what is cynicism from your perspective, first of all? I think cynicism is a lack of hope. And I mm. think the beautiful thing about hope is that it gives you this idea of what you're aiming for. You're saying, this is what I want in the future. We're not there yet, but maybe we're on our way there and we can get there. Mm. And the thing about hope, though, is whatever's on the other side of that hope, you're never going to achieve it without working towards it. Right, right. And so hope is this beautiful almost like bait on a line that keeps you moving and keeps you working towards creating solutions. In the face of all of this bad news, how do you keep from letting that sort of take you down? The reality is negative stories sell. They do. Yeah, I mean, it's totally. just like in a movie, if you have a movie about a guy who wants something and then gets it, <laughs> you're not going to sell a lot of tickets. The conflict is what sells things. And it drives me crazy knowing this, having studied narrative. It drives me crazy watching any sort of news program in which they hyper-romanticize the negative in order to keep people interested in the story because yeah. they've got to sell advertising without 
taking responsibility for the fact that you're actually skewing the human brain, especially Americans. You're skewing the American brain toward a cynical view of the world. Yeah, I mean, the reality is It's an economic force. Yeah, there's science that says that bad news sticks to our brain like Velcro and good Mm -hmm. news slides right off our brain like Teflon. Mm -hmm. And that's why advertisers and media are able to grab onto those things and just, you know, share them and and actually hook you in with them. And that's why also when you get a million comments on your Instagram and they're all positive, but one of them is negative, that negative one one sticks with you. That's right, yeah. And so, you know... The thing that we try to do at Good, Good, Good is we don't ever want to ignore the bad. So we're not pretending that the global refugee crisis isn't happening. Right. We're not pretending that you know mass shootings aren't happening in the U.S. We're acknowledging those things. But then there's this amazing quote from Fred Rogers where he says, mm. when I was a boy and I would see scary things in the news, my mother would say to me, Look, Look for, for the, the helpers. helpers. You'll yeah. always find people who are helping. Mm-hmm. And so that's all we're doing. We're saying, hey, there's a lot of heartbreak and pain and injustice in the world, but there are also a lot of helpers. And so, you know, we're going to talk about those heartbreaking things, but we're not going to end this story there. You know, when you turn on the news, that's where the story ends at the end of the heartbreak. But we're saying, no, 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 there's more. There's people who are being impacted by this and they're saying, no, I'm going to create a solution to this problem. What is it about you and how do you deepen your core? push this massive stone uphill because <laughs> you yeah. you're up against CNN, you're up against Fox News, you're up against the Washington Post, you're up against the New York Times. And God bless those organizations. I believe in yeah. freedom of the press and I think most of them are doing a, I'm a really terrific grateful job. For them. I also think that part of the fake news movement, I think there are definitely <laughs> some motivations behind that that you know that people are trying to cover up their truths that aren't good for them. But I also think there's a pushback in the fake news category people who are just tired of media, that it's exhausting. I remember I took a year, this was years ago, so at least 10 years ago, I took a year off from watching television. And when I turned my television on, I was absolutely shocked after a year at how news, in that year, news stopped being news. It was sensationalism. Yeah. And real stories weren't being covered. What was being covered was sex, scandal, corruption, even corruption to the degree is so romanticized, it probably was not corruption, but they needed a story that day. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, ooh, this tastes like junk food for my brain. Yeah. In 24 hours, I got used to it. What? I mean, I, you know, wow. it was like, I just, rem- I still remember yeah. exactly where I was when I watched the first news broadcast. I remember the shocking difference between what it was a year before and what it is now. Man, it's tuned into the way that your brain works, yeah. you know? That's what makes me kind of love this old idea of all the news that's fit to print. You know, that's what newspapers used to say. This is all right. the news that's fit to print. Yeah. And it's They're, beautiful and because... That's a very bold statement if you think about it. Yeah. They're saying we get to decide what is good for you to read. Yeah. But the thing is, the 24-hour news cycle is in some ways toxic because you just have to keep on making things a bigger deal and bigger deal and bigger deal to keep people watching, even though there may not be 24 hours worth of news to share, you know, news that's fit to show. But when you've got an actual tangible thing where you're like, okay, this is a newspaper that's 40 pages, you've got to decide, hey, this is the stuff that people actually need to know. Yeah. And this is the stuff that people don't. And obviously, well, there's some stuff in there, but... I want to get back because I distracted you from the very question <laughs> that, I, that I asked. But I will say... I'm one of those geeks. On Sunday morning, on C-SPAN, you actually get to watch the best of the week in Congress. Mm. And it's congressional hearings, and I know everybody's... I'm a nerd. There is more than enough news to print. I mean, we are deciding who to bomb, why to bomb them. We're deciding ethics within the House and Senate. We're deciding massive things every week. 
And what you're hearing on CNN and Fox News and MSNBC, for that matter, is scandal and gossip. Yeah. The only thing I would push back is I would say, oh, no, there's news. There's a lot of news. I mean, you can watch three hours of what is America's response to the Syrian refugee crisis, which is a condensed version of what happened in Congress. You can watch hearings on human trafficking. You can watch hearings on whether government uh, spending on military should be bigger or smaller. That stuff is dramatically affects your bottom line and your family every day, but people aren't interested enough to watch it. I just believe it's corrupt, which gets me back. Not not <laughs> corrupt. I believe it's uh, pandering to the basis of instincts in human beings. That's well said. Okay, so how do you, back to my original <laughs> question, what is it about Brandon Harvey that doesn't get taken down by that? The stone that rolls over everybody else as they're trying to push it uphill doesn't roll over you. You put both hands on it. You keep pushing it uphill with positivity. And I think we need to know why, because if we can have some of that, maybe we can do Thanksgiving dinner this year <laughs> a little more easily because we're up against this in our personal lives too. Yeah. What is it about you? I mean, I do feel like I have always had a little bit of a natural bent towards optimism. optimism. Okay, yeah. And Thanks for admitting that. Yeah. Because that's I mean, a lot of people would come in and say, well, we all need to be like this. I'm like, Brandon, come on. Your brain chemistry gives you a, <laughs> a superpower. And, and I'm so grateful for that. But if anything, I think it just gave me a little bit of a head start. Yeah. And in times that maybe would have knocked me down or, you know, broken my heart, I somehow had the resolve to keep on going. And that's when I started diving into all the science and all the data of why the world is actually a great place. Hmm. And so here's where things get wild. I started diving into the data of global poverty, the data of violence in the United States, the data of corruption. And when you look at all of these graphs, you just continue to see that the world actually becomes a better and better place year after Over time. Year. That's right. Over time. Yeah. And that's what we, you know, we print and we share this. And so, you know, check that out. But when you start to see this grand dream of maybe where the world is going, that it's not necessarily becoming a worse place, but just year after year, less people are in poverty. Year after year, there's less teen pregnancies. Year after year, you know, there's more hope for people with HIV and AIDS. Mm-hmm. All these things, you get to dream about, okay, well, where could we be in 20 years and how can we accelerate what's happening? And so... And part of it is the narrative structures that get people elected necessitate often in the minds of people who are campaigning an attack of the enemy saying everything's gotten worse under their power, which may or may not be true and mostly isn't, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. Totally. We have continued to progress as a country. I remember even with the Make America Great Again thing, they were selling nostalgia, which Bain and Company would say it's one of the 30 things that activate the human brain. So Hmm. they're selling nostalgia. For whatever reason, we're drawn to a romanticized image of the way things used to be. And we reinvent the past and our brain as being better than it actually yeah. was. So it's an effective marketing technique, but it's complete crap. <laughs> and it, you know, it's not true. And I just remember thinking, when was life better than it is now? With yeah. the exception of, I think, the national debt and some other stuff. Yeah. You know, taxes used to be 90% for the wealthy and these kinds of, you know, it was worse. It was totally. worse. And so what I think you are saying is, and I would agree with you, we've got to recalibrate our brains based on some more true facts about the overall narrative, which isn't as bad as people want you to think. And the reason people want you to think that is they're financially incentivized to make you think that. Yeah. And I mean, if you could be born at any time in history without knowing your race, your you know religion of your family, what country you'd be born into, any of these things, you would hands down choose today in 2018 yeah. because it's the best time to be alive for the most number of people. As you've begun to spread a message of not just positivity and rainbow optimism, you're not that guy. <laughs> there is that guy, but I don't know how helpful that guy is. You're the guy who actually looks life in the eye and says there's some bad things here, but 
ultimately this thing isn't as bad as we thought it was, and we should believe and hope to make it even better. As you've begun to spread that message, how have you seen people's lives change? Yeah, I think that one of my favorite things about the newspaper that we make is at the bottom of every single page after you read every single story is something that's called the good bar. And it mm-hmm. gives people an opportunity to take action. And it's in a good, better, best format. So here's a good way to get involved. Here's a better way to get involved. Here's maybe the best way to get involved. Mm-hmm. And usually that's, hey, you can share this thing on social media. You can donate money to this location. Or you can use your talents, your passions, your abilities to actually volunteer in this area. And what we found is that when people choose to take one of those actions, even if it's the smallest one of just taking the time to make a tweet and share that, that's when people start to kind of have these eureka moments where they realize that they can actually be a part of that story. And I think that cynicism makes us feel helpless. Mm -hmm. And I think that as soon as you take one step, you realize, oh, wait, I can actually move the needle here. Yeah. And then it almost gives you the courage to take that next step and that next step and gives that you next some step. agency, which is akin to mental exactly. health. I exactly. Mean, understanding you have a locus of control inside of you is akin to mental health. So it's a big part of that. I'll be back with the rest of my interview with Brandon Harvey in just a moment. If you are looking to implement StoryBrand into your company and you've got about 20 people that you want to take through it, It would be awfully expensive for you to pay for all those people to come to Nashville and buy a registration. So we have a deal for you. You can actually bring in a StoryBrand facilitator. That is somebody who goes all over the country sharing the StoryBrand framework in a one and a half day workshop. You can do it at the place of your choice. You can do it right there in your conference room. You can rent a hotel. You can do it at a resort. Anywhere you want. When you bring in a facilitator, you'll go through that day and a half workshop and clarify your message as a group. That will allow you to get on the same page with your entire team. Finally, everybody will use the same language and have the same mindset and be aligned in your company vision. Go to storybrand.com slash private and fill out an application today. Literally, in just a few weeks, a facilitator could be knocking at your door and you could be having the experience of a lifetime getting your entire team on the same page. It's super fun, super entertaining, but super effective. All designed for you to get a huge return on your investment. Just go to storybrand.com slash private. All right, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about some of the work you've done for brands. It's no wonder yeah. that brands like Southwest Airlines are attracted to you because whenever you know Brandon Harvey's feed rolls by on your Instagram, I think you actually probably get a little shot of dopamine, right? <laughs> There's a little. I mean, I, the one that I think of, you do you do really good donut reviews. I know you've done you've done a lot you, of very important you. stories, but your donut reviews are also very important to me. <laughs> and, and I know to JJ, I know I speak for JJ when I say this. But there's a little shot of dopamine. There's a positivity there, so it's no wonder that brands are attracted to you. Tell me a little bit, specifically going to choose one of your clients, Southwest Airlines. Tell me why they chose you, what they wanted, and maybe we as business leaders can learn a little from this regarding our own social media feeds. So go into the case study of Southwest. Yeah, I've loved Southwest Airlines for years. Yeah, who doesn't? They're fantastic. They're amazing. They're just a great brand. And I was really honored when they reached out to me and they had noticed this thing that I do on Instagram where I would take portraits of people that I admire or people that I've just met and I will share their photo online along with a caption of 
what inspires me about them, yeah. you know, what I connect with. And, and this used to be called Story Portrait, and it kind of had a big following for a while, and maybe still does. But Southwest had seen me doing that work, and they told me, they're like, Brandon, we believe that every single seat on our airplane has a story. Hmm. And we want to celebrate that. We think we've got the best customers in the world. We think we have the best staff in the world. We want to celebrate those stories. And so this is wild. This is what Southwest said. They said, Brandon, we're going to let you hop on planes for a year. When you get on the plane, you're going to sit in the middle seat. You have to sit in the middle seat. That that was part of the rules. Yeah. And you're going to talk to the person on your right and talk to the person on your left and get to know them. And and so I'm that guy. Like I'm that guy that everybody else kind of dreads. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm going to not talk to somebody if they've got their headphones in or, you know, if they're they're doing that thing where they're like, yeah, okay, cool. The hard thing is if it's not a full flight, there's so many empty seats and you're like, I'm still sitting. It's really awkward. (laughs) You're really that guy. (laughs) Um, The... (laughs) Did that happen to you? I'm curious. That, that definitely happened to me. And, and I opted to <laughs> not a, sit in the middle seat at that point. That's it a It does non-starter. not work. Very and good. I've got A-list too, so I'm boarding first and I'm sitting in that middle seat. Oh, <laughs> it's bad, Don. Um, but what's beautiful okay. is that I would sit in these middle seats and I would have conversations with the people around me and we would kind of get a little bit into the conversation. I'd say, hey, I'm actually working with Southwest. Can I photograph you? Mm. Uh, can I share a little bit of your story? And you do kind of a selfie of the two of you? I would. Whatever. Yeah. Sometimes I would get them to stand up in the middle of the airplane and I'd pull out my DSLR and wow. I'd shoot a portrait of them. Sometimes we'd go into the airport and we'd shoot photos there. It was kind of a little bit of whatever made them most comfortable. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to embarrass sure, sure, anybody. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And then we would share that on my social media sometimes and then Southwest social media, you know, and obviously with consent and release forms and the whole deal. But what was beautiful is that the post got a lot of engagement. You know, it wasn't just interesting that this guy, me with funny hair, was meeting strangers on a plane. People actually wanted to have this connection with the other people they flew in Southwest with. And I was able to uncover these beautiful, amazing stories with just random strangers of the amazing work that they're doing, the amazing businesses they're starting, and share those on Southwest. And I think that it was really interesting that people responded so positively because it's almost like Southwest Flyers feel like they're a part of this community of other amazing, cool Southwest Mm -hmm. Flyers. They have created a community, haven't they? They really have. It's something special. And so that was a big part of what I did. I also, I had a huge audience on Snapchat at the time. And so they would also send me out to just these ridiculous, amazing activations they would do where, you know, they would, in one airport, they would be doing these giant, like, paper airplane throwing contests in a giant terminal. Or in New York City, I went out and they were doing this silent disco in Bryant Park. And I was covering these things on Snapchat and just documenting the hilarity that Southwest kind of ensues wherever they go. They're just a really fun brand to get to work with. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity. And the the, the agenda there wasn't necessarily, like there wasn't a call to action, buy a Southwest ticket, we're running a sale. It was really... How could you connect that with the bottom line for that brand? I'm curious. Or did you even try? Yeah. No, I mean, I always try to. I'm never necessarily trying to sell directly for the post that I'm doing. You know, I'm always just trying to move the needle on the way that people think about a brand. And so that often works by just me creating a sense of brand association between me, who my audience trusts, and a brand who they may not trust yet. And it's beautiful because I worked with Southwest for, I think, a little bit under 18 months. And maybe six to nine months after I ended my campaign, I'm at the Orlando, Florida airport. Mm -hmm. And a woman walks up to me and she says, oh my gosh, are you Brandon Harvey? And I said, (laughs) yeah, hi. And she says, 
I've been following all your Southwest stories. I actually chose to buy my ticket today because of your Southwest stories. I was hoping that I would just get to have a cool experience. And And that's one of the differences. We always talk about the difference between branding and marketing, and there are many, and it's hard to actually define. But I look at marketing as basically letting people know what you have to offer and asking them to buy. And branding, which is incredibly important, is more associating a feeling with the overall brand. Yeah. It's a deeper level of... Yeah. And it's usually something that brands would have to have a lot of money to be able to do. Most commercial advertising on television is branding, not necessarily marketing. But with social media, we can actually all do branding. Yeah. What would your advice be? Let's say you're consulting with a brand, you're sitting down with a brand, they have no social media presence, but you know within a relatively short period of time, for factors I can't make up right now, they're going to have half a million Instagram followers within six months. And they've yet to even send out an Instagram post. What's the very first thing that you want to talk to them about? What's the first conversation that you want to have? Well, I think you do bring up a really good point. I think that the biggest problem is that people spend too much time on social media working on their marketing when they should be working on their branding. That's interesting. Okay, you would see it as an outlet. It's more an outlet that's for branding than marketing. Yeah, and I would say... I noticed that whenever I Instagram about a sale we're having or something's coming up or... You know, it gets 200 likes. And if I Instagram a picture of my dog, (laughs) you know, it's uh, 2,000 likes or something. Well, I mean, I've got a musician friend and she's got this philosophy with her music that she does one for me, one for you. So she does one album that she's really passionate about and really creatively excited about. It doesn't get a lot of feedback. It doesn't, you know, really blow up that much. And then she'll do one that's kind of more of a pop album that's... For the people. For the people. And it does great. And she keeps that ratio of just one for one so that her audience isn't going to totally ditch her, Mm -hmm. but they're going to kind of listen along for that stuff. And I started doing that with my own work. So when I share on social media, I say, okay, my audience wants me to post this mountain. I'll post the mountain. My audience (laughs) wants to see me post a pretty picture of my wife on the beach. I'll post that pretty picture of my wife on the beach, but then I'll post the one that I'm really passionate about. That's maybe it goes a few levels deeper that I'm going to get less followers. I think that brands can do the same thing. Okay. So I think they can post, you know, five times about just this common belief that they have. So if you're Southwest, you're going to talk about community. You're going to talk about stories. You're going to talk about love. And then every fifth one, you're going to say, hey, here's a tweet about a deal we've got out of Dallas. Right, right, you right. Know, and that's what keeps people around, you know, the stuff that connects to your heart. Yeah. Uh, but the stuff that, you know, helps you get a good deal, you're still going to want that every five tweets or whatever. Do you sit down with this brand and, you know, when they're getting started and say, okay, tell me about your core values or tell me about the core values of your customers? Yeah. How do you decide what aspirational images to show in the first place based on the brand, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. Just recently, I was doing some consulting for a swimwear company. Okay. And I was doing some research on the company before I got started. And I noticed that the swimwear company was started by two moms. Hmm. And I just kind of had a hunch. I was like, I wonder why it was two moms that started this and why they decided to include that on their about page. And I started diving deeper and deeper into their work. And it was just moms who said, hey, it's a little bit more difficult to have the body of a mother and still go and wear a swimsuit in the way that you used to? What if we created swimsuits that had you know, some fabric that does some magical things to make you feel more confident and comfortable? Hmm. But when I was looking at their Instagram, all I saw were these like world-class models in you know bikinis on the beach right and i saw a disconnect there and so that's what i approached them with you know they asked me they're like hey brandon how can we run a particular kind of campaign and i said hey before we even jump into that campaign why don't we talk about what your core values are because 
it seems like the heart of it might have initially been that you want to have women feel confident and comfortable no matter what their body looks like. Right. But I'm just seeing the same kind of woman that's on, you know, every yeah, single aspirational imagery. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where we began. And I loved the conversation that came from that because all of a sudden it changed that entire campaign that we were going to work on into something that focused on a particular type of women instead of a different type of woman. And it was more authentic and true to who they really were. Oh man, I'm so, so are, excited are you to looking see it for live. that too? What, how important is authenticity and what does authenticity look like in branding in social media? Oh, I think it's wildly important. Yeah. And the and thing what, is, what is authenticity though from your perspective? What I mean, I think it comes back to this idea of leading with empathy more than leading with your authority. Okay. And this is actually an idea that I learned from StoryBrand. So Mm. when I attended the StoryBrand workshop, one of the things that you kept on drilling down is you've got to show empathy and your authority on your website. And I was reading Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and he talks about this idea of, you know, winning hearts and minds, which is, you know, winning empathy and authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talks about this idea that for some reason, we always say hearts and minds in that order because the hearts matter more. And I think that's the problem on social media is when brands start to lead with the head a little bit more than the heart. You know, this is actually an interesting example. So pride is coming up in a few weeks, you know, celebration for LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. And I've got a friend who he works in publishing in that world of things. He works in LGBTQ publishing. And he had this Twitter thread this last week where he basically took screenshots of all of these brands who are trying to cash in on pride in the next few weeks (laughs) by putting rainbows on their Dorito bags or putting rainbows in their beer or whatever it was. And he basically was just saying, this doesn't feel like you actually care about us as a community. Hmm. This doesn't feel like you understand who we are. It's a little bit of economic exploitation. Exactly. And and that's what he was saying. And he's like, here's And also probably a little bit of, where in the world were you 10 years ago? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That would have been revolutionary 10 years ago to put a rainbow on your Doritos. But right now it just kind of rings hollow. And so what he was saying is, why don't we go a level deeper? And so some of his recommendations were donate money to... LGBTQ nonprofits that support, you know, people who are struggling in those communities. Bring on consultants and spokespeople who actually embody that lifestyle or just don't do it at all. You know, yeah. go all in or 0% but don't half ass it. Right. And so I thought that was really, really interesting that he is somebody who noticed that these things did not ring true for him. Whereas I'm somebody who, you know, I would not have necessarily noticed that. And so Mm -hmm. you do have to be making sure that you're communicating with the people that you're trying to reach with every message. For me, even in doing this podcast, there's been an evolution of sort of me having an image of somebody doing a podcast and then slowly actually (laughs) letting or becoming the real person person or whatever it takes a minute right yeah like you're not gonna out of the gate you're not gonna go on to social media no. and so i have enough friends on social media who i know personally and there's actually a bit of a disconnect between them on social media and them in person you must know a lot of folks who are like that yeah and, and my wife and i actually we've probably talked about it three or four times what do we think of this and we don't actually know because we see it being a strategically great move for their personal brand yeah and yet we also kind of go they're not really like that, yeah. really. That's something that sells on social media. Totally. And, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times we've seen a social media post. It's just so important to be present with friends, and that's important to me. And I'm kind of like, 
Okay, that's like the 90th time we've read that. Can we find yeah. something different to talk about? Yeah. But that's what people like and click. And yeah. you know, how much should we be motivated by what people click and what they don't click versus authenticity? I'll say if you want to gain a lot of followers really fast, mm-hmm. you know, you can just dial in your brand, say, I only talk about this thing, post a bunch about that, and you'll get followers, but you're not going to get a depth of engagement. Right. And I've learned that the hard way in the past, you know, I remember there was almost like a year period where I was like, I'm only going to talk about this subject. And I ignored the opportunity to talk about all of these things that I was learning in my personal life and all these things that Mm. were happening. And then when I started to do that again, my audience was confused and kind of shaken. They're like, oh, that's not what we signed up for. And they kind of, they logged out. You know, they said, this isn't necessarily what I want. And so it's hard if you go down that path of of not being your fully authentic self or not, you know, being a fully authentic brand to pivot at some point. Earlier you talked about, you know, starting a podcast and kind of just growing into that and fumbling along and then eventually just being at a place where you're like, oh, I'm actually doing this. Right, right. The wonderful thing about starting off without half a million followers is that you can make some mistakes along the way. You can mm. learn, you can grow, you can say, here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's what my audience seems to care about, here's what they don't seem to care about. You can kind of just stumble through it and find your footing. And it's actually really, really nice to not throw a bunch of money in your social media at the beginning. Just yeah. you know, connect with the people who are authentically attracted to the messages you're sharing and then just just keep on doing more of that, and it's going to attract like-minded people. Give the average listener a tip. I would imagine that our listeners are people who are in business, they're probably doing pretty well, and they're probably not great at social media. They've even debated whether to get started, right? I mean, I think the it's akin to the fear of walking up on stage and giving a speech. You know, you turn on Instagram, <laughs> and even me, I probably Instagram once a week. I just Instagrammed something recently, and it didn't get enough likes, so I deleted it. You know, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm like everybody probably Yeah, listening. totally. Let's pick Instagram. We shouldn't take pictures of our food anymore. So what should we take pictures of? Give us some categories of things that we should be sharing as a business leader associating with our brand. Great. And that's a great distinction because I think there's a lot of value in, you know, being a business leader and sharing your own personal life and your own experiences and not having that be completely overlapping with your brand. And I actually think you, you, you think we need to separate those. When we started Good Good Good, which is, you know, the company that holds yeah. Sounds Good, the good newspaper, before we started Good Good Good, I was sharing all of the social media posts for our podcast and newspaper on just my account. Yeah, and I was yeah. so excited when we decided to transition to create a separate Good 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 account that yeah. can house all of that content. And then every once in a while, if I want to go on some sort of political rant or if I want to <laughs> you do that on your post pictures account. of my dog, I can do that on my personal account. And the thing is, people who are like, oh, I just am signing up for the good news, they can just do that there. Gotcha. But also, the people who really, really care about the brand and understand the heart of it, when they see that political rant on my personal account, they're not seeing that as a political rant. They're saying, this is Brandon caring about an right. issue and trying to move the needle because he's hopeful for a better future. And so you can have those separations. And I actually think you do a really good job at this. Yeah, because we separated story brand yeah. and Donald Miller or whatever my account is, yeah. Don Miller is, I think, yeah. is they're separate. And it's great because you'll talk about things from time to time that really get me thinking and I can hear it in your voice, but I also love following StoryBrand and getting all of that stuff. Business quotes. Yeah, that wouldn't just be on your personal account. Okay, Um, I'm glad to know we're doing something right. So I think that's great. And I think anybody with a business, you know, over a certain size should totally dive into that world of things. Yeah. So to answer your question that you initially asked, if you're a business leader, I think that 
the first thing you should do is you should figure out what values you have that you share with your company. Okay. You know, for Southwest CEO, if he's sharing on social media, he doesn't necessarily need to be talking about something that's completely unrelated to Southwest's idea of love and community. You know, that's right. I'm sure he should he, not be complaining about the fact that he didn't get a big enough dessert at the Mexican restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> he, you know, he he is the CEO of this company for a reason. He embodies yeah. a lot of these philosophies, and if he leans into those, he'll find a lot more success than talking about yeah, yeah. his dessert. Complaining at the on uh, Instagram. Yeah. I see Tim Cook do this really, really hmm. well from Apple. What have you seen him do? I don't follow him. So he's great because he will oftentimes highlight people who are using Apple products, you know, which is normal and expected. It's a personal twist. It's not just Apple saying this photo by this person. He's saying, wow, I love this photo that this person shot on the iPhone X. That's really cool. And he's just retweeting a normal human. I can feel that it actually came from him. And if Apple tweeted it, it wouldn't mean as much as if Tim Cook tweeted it. But he'll also, you know, highlight change makers and world changers like Malala. He was just hanging out with mm. Malala and he's <laughs> awesome. he's sharing kind of some behind the scenes photos of his time with her. And, you know, Apple has always been about people who are, you know, pushing the status quo. And so it aligns with that, but it's also Tim Cook genuinely being there in person with her. So practical advice might be for a business leader to sit down and write three or four of your core values. Yeah. And one exercise, if you're really looking for it, to define your core values to help understand what they are, I want you to write down, grab a napkin, write down the three or four things that make you mad. Ooh, that's and whatever good. makes you mad, the opposite of that is usually your core value. So if you see uh, people be in controlling relationships and you want to set them free, that really makes you mad. Freedom is a core value of yours. Yeah. And then write down the three or four, and then maybe when you see it in the world, somehow take a picture of it and talk about why that's important to you? Is that's ex- that a good... That's exactly it. And so what it takes is just noticing because hmm. all day long, we have those moments that fire us up, yeah. you know, that energize us or anger us, you know, both sides of the same coin. And oftentimes we just process it and let it go. But the best thing you can do is say, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to process this out loud because, you know, the fact of the matter is it feels like it's just something that everybody knows. It's something that everybody understands, but that's uniquely a part of who you are. And if that's also a a unique part of what your business is, that's why people are tuning in to what you're saying. And so share that out loud because it will actually be interesting to people. I think that's oftentimes my problem is I think, oh, that's not interesting to anybody because (laughs) I'm in my head all day. It's not interesting to me. Do you test material like I do? Do you post something on Instagram and the next day you realize this ain't going, this ball is not leaving the park. I need to to delete it. Do you do that? Yeah. and, And what's nice is if you've got a few different social platforms, you can test it in different places. So I can Ah. post, you know, just a little idea I have on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And then if it blows up, I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should expand this beyond 240 characters. Yeah. And you can do the same thing with Instagram stories. I've done that with whole chapters and books. Oh, I bet. You post something and it gets a bunch of likes. You're like, okay, this needs to go. People want to read this. They'll pay for this. That's smart stuff. Brandon, thank you so much for coming by. I want you to know more about Brandon Harvey. He's got a great podcast called Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey. And also a newspaper called Good Newspaper. If you want to know more about Brandon, go to goodgoodgood.co and learn about all that he is doing. Also available for consulting. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Okay. You heard it here first. (laughs) And then you can follow Brandon, Brandon Harvey, that's B-R-A-N-D-E-N Harvey, everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Still on Snapchat? You know, I've kind of phased out of Snapchat. I still (laughs) probably have more followers on Snapchat than I do on Instagram, but it just didn't align with what I'm doing anymore. Yeah. So... Yeah, well, just kind of let it go. Hey, it changes. It's a fluid thing. Yeah. I'm thinking about leaving MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other conversation. Brandon, thanks for coming by. Thank you so much, Don.
this is a recurring theme. I've got to change the way I do social media. Yes. <laughs> we have to do it more purposefully. Well, I did. I made some changes right after the interview, literally with Brandon Actually, sitting here. <laughs> I can now sign in from my personal phone to the Story Brand Instagram yeah. account, and I can Instagram things from that account, which I typically don't do a lot of business stuff from my personal account. I yeah. just do like pictures of my wife and pictures of our dog and pictures of a book that I'm reading. <laughs> that's all. That's Wait. basically it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I take pictures all the time, probably at least two or three times a week of good or bad advertising. Yeah. And I don't do anything with it. It just sits on my phone. And yep. so now I'm going to start sending it out from StoryBrand. You can follow StoryBrand on Instagram by following StoryBrand underscore on Instagram. So go find us there and you'll see my marketing advice coming out. I thought that was an incredible interview. Brandon is so yeah, contagious. I love Brandon. Yeah. Love him. He and his wife, they're just awesome. And Sammy, his wife, actually brings over their dog Pop-Tart to play with our dog in the backyard yeah. all the time. <laughs> and uh, I feel a little bad because June Carter is a bit of a bully, and Pop-Tart yes. is very sweet like Brandon and Sammy. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, I don't know how to get around that, but that's that's who we have in our house, June Carter. Okay, next week, we're actually going to talk about the business of film. Yes. How do people make money making movies? We're going to talk to Kellen Lutz and Ryan Daly. That is an actor who's very accomplished in his own right, and that actor's agent. They're going to talk a lot about how movies are made, how anybody makes money making movies. Yeah. Uh, we've already listened to this and introed it, and I tell a little bit about how I lost a ton of money in movies. Yeah. <laughs> and JJ talks about his experience in movies. Allie talks about her experience trying to make a movie. It's the business of movies. You know, we all go to the yeah. movies all the time. Most of those movies are making money, but most of the movies that actually get made, you will never, ever see. Yeah. And what's also really fun about next week is we actually give a challenge to our listeners that only people That's who right. listen there's to that contest. podcast, there's a contest. We're not going to give any spoilers away, but you can win a workshop in Nashville, but you have to listen next week. Yeah. We've never done that before. No. There's an interesting bit of trivia baked into next week's podcast. You can win uh, a free registration to the Story Brand Workshop. And also, Lunch with JJ. Is it okay for me to say that? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> lunch with JJ is yes. at stake, so you want to listen next week. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. Here's a little clip from Allison's conversation with Kellen Lutz and Ryan Day. So as an actor, you have to fill in all the black and white hmm. and make the page as colorful as it can be. So you can never, you know, whatever notes you're writing down, you know, if the character you know, stops and smokes a cigarette, you know, what, what is he thinking about yeah. when he's doing that in this scene? Or, or if he's kissing the girl, like, does he love her? Hmm. It's all the stuff that it always aids the audience watching that you, you have a history. There's yeah. something behind the eyes for the character. So, I mean, you could just work and work and work on something. And that's the fun part. And I think in my progression of, of my career, you know, I, I look back at some of my earlier work and, if the character, if it called for him to be mad, I just acted mad. <laughs> if it called for like a crying scene, I would just cry, but there would be nothing. Can you cry on demand? Uh, yeah, for the most part, for a couple takes. So so like, yeah, crying on cue like that. If, the, if it's not anchored in any truth, yeah, it's just BS. That's next week. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe today. Also, we have some great marketing advice for you. It's completely free. Go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. You know, we really don't want to waste your time. We want to give you the kind of information that's going to help you turn around and grow your business. And I think some of the best information that you can get is at 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. It's three, about five-minute videos sharing some really practical steps 
on what you should be doing in your marketing and also tips on what should be on your website. Go to 5minutemarketingmakeover.com. Also, if you haven't bought my book, Building a Story Brand, you can buy Building a Story Brand on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you buy books. It is the book that will teach you the Story Brand 7-part framework. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's new record, Dive Deep, on Spotify or on iTunes. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business.